Welcome to The Kurt Locker, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Kurt Russell. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-host. She's going to make it. She's going to make it. She's going to take this cockeyed world and shake it. She's going to show them she's a winner in the end. Whitney Nelson. I'm so glad that you quoted the theme song. Another one that slaps. Yes. Another bop from the people at Disney about a movie that has faded into obscurity, more or less. It's so sad because it is. I was... It's it's not quite at the level of the computer war tennis shoes where the song is telling it's you the plot. It's not as good as a computer war tennis shoes because I think a the song was better. Yeah. And b the story wasn't told as much, so you didn't get all of the like major plot points like you did with the computer war Correct. tennis shoes. But right. it's still it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. You it's know, still kicking. <laughs> right out of the gate, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, it's bespoke. We have a cool, bespoke cool, cool, song. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Exactly. I was like, I think we're in for something good here. So we'll we'll get to mm-hmm. that. The first question I have for you, Whitney, really, yes. realistically, I don't know if yes. you went ahead and checked this out because I sure as hell oh. did. How old was Alexander the Great when he conquered Macedonia? Oh, I didn't look that up. Okay. I paused the movie because they asked that. I, I heard that so many times. I was like, one, just want to verify the information because some of that information, uh, you know, I would say. Some of that information is true mm-hmm. and some of that information is false, which I I knew up front because Benjamin Franklin never signed the Declaration of That's, Independence. Yep. Yeah. And William Penn, you know, also was not involved in being the king of England, I believe, is one of the things they said. Well, no, no, that's true. The the king of England one was true. OK. But it's not it's not Philly's William Penn. Right. Yeah. It's a it's a different. But I think that that like 14 year old thing is true. I could say that Alexander the Great was 20 years old when he conquered Macedonia. Oh, well, there you go. So there you go. It's a. Uh, I just wanted yeah, to check and verify. That. So he was I right on I do know he point. was very young because he died at like 32 or something like that. It, it, you know, it was a different way of living back then, yeah. really. 32. Yeah. He died in his 30s, yeah, I it's, think. It's so a ripe old age back then, You got to start conquering stuff at 20. Otherwise, you're not going to be the great of anything. Yeah, just the average. And Bad news for everyone guy? who's in their late 30s like I am. Oh, no. <laughs> if you haven't already conquered something... You're not going to be the great. No, wait a minute. Hold on. Ridley Scott didn't direct his first film until he was like 42 or something like that. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. Bram Stoker didn't write Dracula until he was like 50. That's it. See? Right? I'm not saying that... The best is yet to come. Talent and success can't come later in life because I 100% fully believe it can't. I'm just saying being titled... Andrew the Great mm. is probably past for you. I mean, going I have... down in history's footnotes as Andrew the Great, I think maybe you missed your window there. You don't know how many more podcasts I have lined up after this one. It <laughs> better will. be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, if you we'll if see. you want a footnote in history that that titles you the Great, you better have a lot podcast up your sleeve hundreds of episodes as of yet to be determined but we'll get there we'll get there it'll be fine Mm. (laughs) whitney housekeeping and contact info is chock full of surprises this week i i want to get to it is it we have to we have to talk about some of this though we need to unpack a lot of this together so uh let's just get to that 
as always, right out of the gate, you want to mention, you can find the website and our podcast at 12and24.com. That's 12and24.com. You can email us, KurtLockerPod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at KurtLockerPod. You can also join us on Discord and chat in real time by going to 12and24.com slash Discord. I try to make this easy, you know? Mm-hmm. And every time I post the link on either our Cool Breeze account or on our Kurt Locker account, two or three more people trickle in. So it's just a matter of, like, repetition. I do want to just reiterate, it's 1-2-A-N-D-2-4. That's correct, so, yeah. Don't put an ampersand. And then the, don't put an ampersand because you won't find us. It'll also be in the show notes. I think it still works, where if you're listening on, say, Pocket Casts right now, you can just tap on the artwork for our show and it'll take you to our discord also it's a cool little thing that some podcast clients do so if you Mm -hmm. if you use that try it try it we have a few new reviews on itunes or apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it and i'm going to read uh, one that's really wonderful and another Mm -hmm. that very very much puzzled me and a few of our Mm -hmm. other hosts and then there's a third one that I'll, i'll just touch on yeah, mm-hmm. But I don't want to dwell. I don't want to dwell because it's no, not, it's no, no good. I... <laughs> we don't want to, uh, I don't yeah. talk to clouds on a sunny day. You know what I'm saying, Whitney? Exactly. Okay. I know exactly what you mean, Andrew, <laughs> and I'm right there with you. Okay. Again, I got to temper my laughter. You know, hold on. Here we go. <laughs> got to take a deep breath. Okay. This review comes from our loyal listener, Claire. I just snort laughed. <laughs> I'll raise the volume. It'll be fine. We're gonna. We gotta. I'll mute myself. Right. It'll be no. great. Loyal listener Claire, go. She's go. also one of my favorite people on Discord. Amazing. I love Claire. We've been following Claire's journey, watching some of these films with her her mom, which is just mm-hmm. great. And we we she sent some of her mom's thoughts over, especially about the computer mm-hmm. war tennis shoes. I recommend getting into Discord just to see some of that stuff because her mom has some great insights. Yeah, her mom is a great reviewer. So Claire's mom. Thumbs up, follow her by joining the Discord and seeing what Claire posts about her mom. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do that. Okay. So Claire's review says this. I followed this creative team from their previous podcast, which was a Keanu Reeves watch through. Let me editorialize and say that's Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, 12and24.com slash Cool Breeze Over the Mountains. (laughs) (laughs) Just get closer to the mic for any editorializing. They continue to provide humorous takes and takedowns of movies in general and offer insight into what it means to be a movie star. Plus, you get to hear random trivia on all manner of subjects as the movies spark wide-ranging discussions. Claire, you're the best. We love you, Claire. Claire, you're the best. Whitney, I will put that whole last compliment squarely on your Lindsay Eric's shoulders, the random trivia on all manner of subjects. That's uh-huh. very much your domain, Eric's domain, Lindsay's domain. So mm-hmm. that's that's all you. Take we that know one. A lot, all three of us know a lot about very weird things. Yeah, that's a We great don't know thing. a lot about everything, but like the things we do know a lot about are very specific and niche and you might not ever come across that information until we go on a tangent. You learn stuff. It's the best. Yeah. Okay, next up is another is another review. I will say this. It's a five-star review. Very brief. Yes. And very puzzling. Great, great five-star review, but also what? The title of this review is Great Show. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Just it's two from words. Lane Train 11. Lane Train 11. Lane Train 11. Let me just put this out there. If you're still listening, you hear this, please feel free to email us. Email us. And clarify. I want to know what you meant. Okay. Lane Train says, <laughs> I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan. He's great in everything he is in, comma, definitely struggled with this podcast, period. <laughs> so I would love to know what the struggle is with this podcast. Did we get the five stars just because of Kurt Russell? <laughs> I'll take it if that's the case. I'll ride on Kurt's And the Kurt rest tales. of the podcast didn't do it for Lane Train 11, which is fine. But also... Why do we get five stars just for Kurt Russell? Mm, mm, mm. What what are you struggling with, Lane Train 11? Whether it has to do with this podcast or not, email us. Let us know what you're struggling with in life in general. If you're struggling outside of, yeah, even if it's outside, if it's with work, just let us, we'll talk through it on on, yeah. on the podcast. What else are we doing here? I have a, I have a hypothesis, Whitney. Uh, let me yes. run this by you. Mm-hmm. We got... Uh, uh, I would say just friction, static, maybe, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I don't want to say uh, we got shit. That's too much. However. Yeah, that's too strong lang- of a language to use. Early on when we were reviewing Keanu's films, a lot of people that you might describe as like Keanu stands, right? Mm-hmm. Got a little like irritated with us uh, for like speaking the truth. Which is that some of those early films were not very good. We're not here to say that all of these. How do I put this diplomatically? Uh, If I if I wasn't interested in the work of Keanu or the work of Kurt, uh, I wouldn't be doing this. (laughs) Yeah, right. Hundred percent. And hundred percent. As an extension of that, I also want to look at it critically. And not yes. just as someone who thinks everything the guy does is great. So right. it's a little challenging if you are if you're on the other side of that fence where you do believe everything he does is great. And thus far, I think Whitney and I are in agreement that every every performance that Kurt has done is great or or very, very good. Outstanding. They've all been outstanding performances, but that doesn't mean he's been in great material. Right. So that's just try to keep that in mind as you're following along. And I do understand that that can can irritate people when they feel like we're just being negative or we're just coming down on stuff. No, we're here because we love Kurt Russell or we love Keanu Reeves just as much as the next guy. Probably more because we're making a podcast about them. <laughs> right. It's a lot of time. But we are also people interested in storytelling and how the stories are being told. And if we don't like it, we don't like it. And we're going to be honest about that. So I do think take it with a grain of salt in that. None of this means we love Kurt Russell or Keanu Reeves any less than anyone else who's a fan. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's but actually probably good. not all work good. is equal. Nobody yeah. has had a flawless film career, I, I think. No one's had a flawless career. Correct. Just in general, at a high level. If you've had a flawless career from age 18 to now, email us because I want to hear about it. Yeah, you got to let us know. And what have you been doing? How, how does that work? Because I need some tips. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Lane Train, regardless of whether we hear from you, thank you for the five-star review. You've left us uh, both flattered and baffled at the same exact time. <laughs> Your two feelings. Uh-huh. I did not think. You're an enigma. Yeah. And we appreciate you. Perfect. Uh, and then finally, we have one 
review mm-hmm. of a lesser star rating from from Nikki. I don't want to dwell. This is the one I don't want to dwell on. And I, I didn't even no. copy paste the review. I just want to say Nikki, you know, it, Nikki wrote that she bounced after one and a half episodes for reasons that I believe that I could be wrong, mm-hmm. that I believe are out of your control and my control. Right. Mm-hmm. So if somehow you're still listening because we are literally the only Kurt Russell podcast in town, uh, just know that thanks for trying. Thanks for trying mm-hmm. and and potentially maybe even sticking with us despite the bad review. I'm okay with it, but mm-hmm. but I can't I can't I love it. I can't change anything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I the the review from Nikki is definitely I think insightful yeah. in that very much. I don't disagree with anything that Nikki said. I also don't think anything's going to change about the things that Nikki had a problem with. That's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> because that's just who we are uh, as people. So thanks for giving us a shot. If you're still giving us a shot, amazing. We love you. If you bounced, appreciate you giving us a chance. Yeah. Hey, that's all. That's all I can do. That's all I can do. Mm-hmm. I do. I will just say we are not going to temper either our enthusiasm or our joy. There you go. Perfectly. Well put. Well put. I guess this would be a good time to say if you wanted yeah. to support us with just a moment of your time. <laughs> Rate and review us. And <laughs> we'll talk iTunes. about you at length on our podcast. We are, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes into the show. We're still talking about reviews. This could be This could be all about you. You write an epic. You write the epic of Gilgamesh. You know, in in the form of a review for us, it's get your I'm, five minutes. I'm obligated to read the 15 whole thing. Minutes. I don't remember what the saying is. Fifteen minutes of fame. Yeah, fifteen. 15. There you go. That's get it. Get your fifteen. So that's that. That's all the housekeeping. We're finally done. All that stuff. Yeah. So now tell us, Andrew, what are we talking about outside of the housekeeping? Oh my gosh. Okay. Today we are talking about the 1971 film. The Barefoot Executive. He's gonna make it right to the top. That crazy moving, grooving kid who just won't stop. He's gonna rearrange the good old status quo and get it all together with the things he's got to know. He's gonna make it. He's gonna make it, he's gonna take this cockeyed world and shake it. He's gonna show them he's a winner in the end, with a little bit of luck. And a little bit of barefoot friend. The plot synopsis from IMDb is, a young man who finds himself in the mailroom at a TV network wants to move up the corporate ladder but finds himself stymied by his selfish boss. By chance, he discovers his neighbor's chimpanzee has a knack for picking successful TV programs. He uses the chimp's programming skills to land himself a job in the programming department of the network. (laughs) Wow. This movie was written by Joseph L. McAvity. He was the writer of our last film, The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. And directed by Robert Butler, who was also the director of The Computer War Tennis Shoes. And he also directed The Secret of Boyne Castle or Guns in the Heather, whatever you want to call that. Gun in the Heather, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 
all right, Disney, it's the Disney team. They just keep bringing these guys in. Mm-hmm. Co-starring alongside Kurt are Joe Flynn, Harry Morgan, Wally Cox, John Ritter. John Ritter. Looking dapper. What a handsome, what a handsome devil he was in this film. Little baby John Ritter. Jack Bender and Heather North. Whitney, before the critics in the audiences, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just have a small aside here. Yes. Have you ever heard someone's voice and you're like, I know this voice and I can't mm-hmm. quite place it, but mm-hmm. I've heard this voice before? Mm-hmm. That was Heather North for me while watching this movie. And sure enough, she was the voice of one of my childhood crushes growing up, Daphne oh. from Scooby-Doo. Oh! For basically the entire run yeah. of Scooby-Doo. Okay. I did not watch much Scooby-Doo, yeah. so I that didn't ping for me, but that's totally, I totally hear that now. I did not, because she was not a person who I recognized from I did I was like that is not a face that I recognize but for whatever I closed my eyes yeah. I'm like this voice is so familiar and there it yep. was so there you go also with Scooby Doo I did watch I'm a Velma crush person so that's so I f- I found that uh, mm-hmm. as I've gotten older I am certainly mm-hmm. a Velma person however mm-hmm. as a young lad mm-hmm. it was Daphne so mm-hmm. except for Elvis Presley uh-huh. who's very like. You know, star type. All of my early crushes were like Big Bird, Scooter from the Muppets, Velma. Like I always wow. liked the the nerdier, more sort of analytical end of things. My crushes were always the like quote unquote nerd of the group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I, that all checks out. I feel like that's that's how the pendulum swung for me as I got older. I was like, you know what? Actually, those glasses. Mm-hmm. They're doing they're doing it for me. So there you go, mm-hmm. Velma. A little weird. Let maybe maybe an overshare. I don't care. But that's uh, that's Heather North. So fans of Scooby Doo rejoice. That's fun. She's in this, yeah. and she's delightful. She is delightful. Whitney, what do the critics and audiences have to say about the barefoot executive? Well, this is one of the most interesting spreads that I think we've seen. In this podcast or Cool Breeze Over the Mountains. Can't believe it. We have an 83% critical score. That is so high compared to a 48% audience score. That's crazy. There are very few movies on Rotten Tomatoes that have so drastically more like intense of a critic rating than the audience rating. And none of them are movies like this. Right. It's all it's almost always flipped around in, in yes. as far as like what this movie is doing. Usually audiences are much more forgiving and interested and enjoy things more, which is makes sense because, you know, that's what looking at something critically is about is like breaking it down. And does this work? Does that mm-hmm. work? Mm-hmm. Audience are, ju- are just like there to be entertained. So it totally makes sense when an audience score is higher than a critic score, but almost double it's crazy. 48% audience score, 83% critical score. It's hard to reckon with this, but I I, I will... It'd be interesting when we get to it, because we still have a little bit of this left. Just keep this in your brain, and 
tell me which one of those, when we get to it, you mm-hmm. more closely like align with, or maybe yes. maybe you split the difference. I don't know, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so critic Rob Thomas of Capital Times gave it three out of five stars and said, a trenchant satire on corporate greed. Oh, not really. A funny, silly chimp movie. Okay. Okay. And then Rotten Tomatoes user Christopher B. gave it four out of five stars and says, great premise, which I'm tempted to believe is based on real events. A great supporting cast, which wasn't used to potential. A lot of familiar faces in this one also, really, from the casting point of view. Absurd amount of familiar faces. Almost all of them are people whose name you would not recognize, but the second you see them, you're like, oh my gosh, it's that guy. Yep. That's exactly, especially if you were following along and the computer wore tennis shoes, you're like, oh, that guy, mm-hmm. that guy, and that guy. Remember those mm-hmm. Remember those fellas. But also the, what's his name, the sergeant? Was that what he was for MASH? E- oh, yes. I don't remember what his rank was, but yeah. the old guy for MASH, also in this, just like a lot. If you were a character actor in the late 60s, early 70s, you're like in this movie. It's crazy. This whole time was like a golden age for all of those character actors, really, because they're just like, we want to have huge. It seems like the movie's goals outside of the whether it was Kurt Russell, whoever your main character was, was like, let's surround them with huge personalities, not -hmm. necessarily huge actors, but like larger than life performances. And we get a lot of that here. Which I don't necessarily think benefits the movie. But we'll get into that. Yeah. What do you think? I, I'm curious. I think I I have some I have some notes, but I would love to hear what you think. I have to ramp myself up to this. Uh-oh. Uh this movie made me more angry than any movie that we've watched of Kurt Russell's oof yet. Oh no. Yeah. And it's not to say that it's a bad movie. It's just, this is one in a very long sequence of movies that came so close to being good movies, but completely missed it. Mm, Okay. I think that the satire of TV development, there's uh, something there to work with. I think that the, uh, you know, sort of wry commentary that the American public has the same tastes as a chimp. Fine. That's a great like commentary that you could go with. There's something there, too. I think the Kurt Russell being sort of precocious and ambitious and using whatever he could to get in front of people. I think there's an interesting story there. I think having a monkey pick movies and TV shows that score well, like that's fine. That's fine. And I think that the girlfriend is the moral center. Really, she we could have seen a lot more of her. Yeah. Because I think she's very, for a movie that's like a Disney movie in the early 70s, late 60s, that's very sort of like saccharine and like whitewashed and very clean and, you know, family friendly and whatever. I think that her sort of being the moral compass of this movie, she brought a lot of gravity to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she was very rational in what she forgave Kurt Russell for and what she didn't forgive him for and why she did or did not forgive him. Um, and I liked her quite a bit in this movie. I think there's that dynamic between the two of them and him being sort of brash and impulsive and her thinking about emotions and the background of everything and whatever. There's there's a story there, but I feel like we focused on almost none of those 
things that had the potential to be a good movie, and instead it was just a movie about a monkey with <laughs> a lot of slapstick money. for, like, monkey laughs. And, like, that's fine. I didn't hate it. But there were so many times where it bordered on an interesting take, and it missed every time actually following through on it. So I felt very frustrated in this movie because... It's sort of meandering in the plot and what the object of everybody's characters are. Mm -hmm. And we spend about what felt like 60% of the movie on a ledge with two people being (laughs) silly and slapstick. (laughs) Yeah. They got the most out of that set. And that made me so furious because it had nothing to do with the movie, the plot. It was two characters you didn't care about. And why are we focusing so much time and attention on them being like wacky and like whoa when there's other stuff going on that's more interesting? Absolutely. They could have cut 15 minutes right, right there. Just this. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Um, I also think there's not enough Kurt Russell in this movie. I think I think that the making it sort of a wacky movie about a chimp focus, made it focus less on Kurt Russell, and so he had less character depth as a result. Mm-hmm. And I think the good guy who has ideas and who wants certain things and is ambitious and is not morally like ambiguous, he has a moral compass, but like where he's willing to draw the line on the moral compass, that's an interesting story, and I think could still be a funny, slapsticky. Disney movie. But I think it focused so much on the like, hey, we've got a trained chimp who can wear an outfit and blow raspberries that it didn't get into any meat of anything. And again, that's not why anyone's here. No one is watching the Barefoot Executive for a story with meat on it. But it danced around meat so much that I was like left wanting. That's a great that's a great quote. It danced around meat so much <laughs> that you were left wanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't disagree with you on really any of the points. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was a little bit more forgiving of this because so I I specifically pointed out when I introduced it that this was a 1971 film. And for mm-hmm. me, You wouldn't think that the difference between a 1969 and a 1971 film was that different. But Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm already seeing the comic sensibilities get a little bit faster in this Mm -hmm. one. Like Mm -hmm. the one thing that got me again, I like the dumb stuff. So like they almost they reused almost the same exact thing that got me the first time where like we see a scene happen and then moments later there's a picture of the scene in the newspaper and I'm like okay mm-hmm. it didn't they, hit yeah it didn't hit quite as hard this time and again knowing that it's coming from the same writer and director I'm like oh, okay that's a trick in the old pocket they use yeah but the one for instance the, the one that I liked was one of the executives has like a paper delivered to his house it goes behind the bushes he's like the paper boy's like come pick this up they run over his bike by accident And he's like, I got to deliver these papers. And it just cuts to a scene of this like car swerving back and forth with papers flying out of the windows. And 
no explanation. They didn't dwell on it for too long, but I was like, that's funny. That like, that's kind of, and I don't mean this in a, uh, a disparaging way. If it sounds like this, that reminds me of like family guy. Like I could see like if Seth MacFarlane mm-hmm. watched that, he was like, I like that. I'm going to use the shit out of that in my stuff. Mm-hmm. These little cutaways. So I think the, the comedy was a little bit more refined. Again, I, I use refined only in reference to what we have been watching thus far. <laughs> the addition of John Ritter alone makes this movie much, much funnier. I think he's he's a great physical comedian. He's a great presence in this movie. He is incredible in this movie. Yeah. He's, he is. So he plays the role of slightly antagonist, but mostly wet blanket. Yes. And it's something that I'm not used to seeing John Ritter. I'm so used to seeing John Ritter as like a good, wholesome, John Denvery type of person Mm -hmm. that it was fun to see him as sort of like a brown-nosing, wet-blanket sort of a character. It was fun. He did an incredible job. He really like knocked it out of the park with this one. And I think that his work with uh, Kurt, when they're in the same scenes, they played off each other very well. Yeah. That's that's the kind of thing. I, I think it's Disney. I don't know how I, I should have actually looked into it. I don't know how often uh, John also worked with Disney, but I feel like he probably could have or did have a huge career. I do think and I'm not sure 100 percent sure if this is true. I think this was John Ritter's first big his big screen debut. Oh, wow. That would be great. I mean, what a way to what I think a way this to is the appear, first movie you know? John Ritter is in. Yeah. I that's don't know cool. if that's factual. So I mean, he certainly is. He looks maybe a bit, just a bit older than Kurt in this. Uh, maybe a few years, give or take. But uh, you know, roughly coming up at the same time. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought he was very, very good. Mm-hmm. So on the on the one side, I I see these like little things that I'm I'm liking about just the evolution of movies and 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 comedy and stuff like that. Then they do some very wacky stuff also. Like basically anytime anyone's up to some shenanigans, it's like mm-hmm. they're wearing a black coat and a black hat. Like you're like, oh, okay. We we still need to fall back on some of these tropes <laughs> just to let you know like, oh, they're going to be getting into some stuff here. Uh, but overall, I feel like I had a pretty good time with this movie. I wasn't, I don't think it ever hit the highs for me of the Computer mm-hmm. War 10 issues, which was just... I think that movie knew what it was uh, or it, it like had this vision and it just wanted to really lean into it. It's like this kid's a computer. Let's go. Let's oh, what are all the weird possibilities that that could lead to? Here's a montage. 20 minutes of if a kid was a computer, let's go. I guess it doesn't help also that like it would it feels a little. I, I feel like if I was in the same room as a chimp, I would I would have a constant dread. This is just me personally. Cause like, I I don't know why I, I I look at that I'm like man that thing could beat the shit out of anybody on screen right now if it wanted to and I know that's never gonna that has rarely ever happened but that I couldn't help but think that every time I saw him I'm like man look at those teeth if he wanted to take a bite of somebody <laughs> he would mess them up really bad I think I honestly think that I I have done a little soul searching while watching this movie and right now while we're talking. I think I have something against movies starring chimps, which was very big in this time period. Yeah. Huge thing with, like, trained chimps in the, like, late 60s, early 70s. And I I think 
just because they can interact with objects more humanly, us putting more human characteristics. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't mind talking animal movies or, like, trained animal movies. I don't mind, like, anytime there's been a dog or a cat or a horse or whatever that has a personality in a movie, I'm not against it. But I feel like there was this personification of chimps that kind of rubs me the wrong way. And I'm not sure why, but I think that might be part of the reason why I was more down on this movie is just in general, I don't like movies about trained chimps. I could get that. And here's, I, I had joked about this last week. It's like, oh, it's a monkey. It's not my, it's my number one film. And uh, that's I, I I don't believe that to be the case. And I feel like I was even saying that through the lens of because I can't tell you the last time I actually watched a movie that had a real uh, uh, chimp or primate of any mm-hmm. kind in it. Really, I, I actually can't I can't think of one. And it did feel a little weird to like go back and be like, oh, yeah, he was like he's basically a prop like mm-hmm. like anything else in mm-hmm. this movie. Seems like, you, you know, I, I assume that the animal welfare people were were there i don't know how far back that goes where they had people yeah, watching to make sure either. of that but i i'm sure maybe disney more than some other studios might have taken that into consideration uh don't assume that well i feel like they mention it disney in the has, movie actually has a bad <laughs> reputation with, with animals animals oh, no well see so this see the scene with the lemmings in their like sort of discovery channel planet earth kind of documentary that Disney did, mm-hmm. they they shoved a bunch of lemmings off a cliff and sort of created the mythos that lemmings will follow one another even into death. Oh. But they literally shoved all those lemmings into the ocean. Oh, no. I don't like yeah. that. That's rude. Yeah. And they, I don't know if they killed him or not, but they definitely did something that the lemmings were not naturally born to do. And they talked about them as fact- to the point where people think that lemmings act a certain way and the like mythos around them is totally different than how they actually act. And I don't know if any of them died, but they literally just did it for like effect. Huh. Yeah. So just, I mean, I'm assuming, I'm also assuming that that monkey was not harmed in any way. Yeah. But I also think the fact that, like you said, I think it's the fact that they're a prop. Like, a horse or a dog or a cat is either... I just feel like the monkeys, because they have more human behaviors. Yeah, he could get up and change the channel, you know? They, yes. They trained a monkey to do that, you know? That's uh, mm-hmm. it's crazy. But it's not different than, like, teaching a dog to bark on command and look intimidating when he's really not. But because they look more like people... They use them more for different kinds of things, but it's still the it's the same as having a dog that like like Cujo jumping up on the window and baring his teeth. It's the same thing as a monkey changing the channel, but we put so much more personification into the monkeys that they shouldn't have. And I think maybe was a detriment to chimps. I think like that sort of thing is why Michael Jackson had a monkey. Was because we gave them, not that animals don't have personalities, because 100% they do. But I think 
ascribing a human awareness to a chimp and then making it do all of these tasks is different to humans than making a dog do those same things. And so I think we maybe put monkeys through more to get to that point. I really haven't thought about it until this like movie and this moment when we're talking right now. So I'm working through my feelings live on on air, essentially. It kind of makes sense because the the one thing that I thought was kind of interesting that happened in this movie is like, and I, I, this is me not really knowing anything. So mm-hmm. again, please feel free to correct me. But like they had a pet shop in this movie where they were like, they're selling a chimp in this pet shop. And I'm like, was that actually the case? Like, I, and again, I know that it was the the same chimp, right? Like it, there mm-hmm. weren't multiple chimps running around in this movie. Anytime they had to do like a switch, it was just camera trickery to be like, oh, it's, you know, whatever. But I'm like, is that what we were projecting at the, t- like you could just go buy a chimp, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Hey, do you want, you yeah. want a monkey? Go buy it. Go buy one. You know, that's interesting. I would never thought in a, in any capacity that you would just be able to walk into corner pet shop and purchase a chimp. But me, I don't know. Again, I have no idea about any of that. So it's an interesting thing to ponder over, though. Maybe I'll have to write that yeah. down. Yeah. Look into that. Noodle over that. Claire. Claire seems to know a lot. Claire. <laughs> yeah, Claire, you know a lot of things. What was the state of purchasing monkeys in 1971 America? I'll need that report on my desk tomorrow. No, don't. <laughs> I had... I had a couple other thoughts just really quickly, uh, and they all kind of come back to like some inspiration or some comedy things, which, again, I just really I I thought some of the stuff in this comedy wise was a little bit more subtle, but I liked it. It wasn't beating us over the head with Mm -hmm. monkey funny, monkey funny. Yeah, Uh, they had that one discussion where uh, they had like staked out his apartment. And they mm-hmm. had found like a tree, like a banana tree or like some, mm-hmm. you know, some arrangement. And then they're trying to decide if like bananas are brain food. And it's a mm-hmm. it's a lot of time spent setting up what is a very subtle joke, which is in the very next scene. We see a man eating a banana like <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was like, OK, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a guffaw. But I was like, huh, OK, <laughs> a lot of setup. And I was like, yeah. You kind of, it's like a 7.5. You know what I'm saying? It's not, you didn't stick the landing on that one. And then how it ramps up completely to the Justice Department getting involved in this whole charade, I thought was pretty funny. But again, that falls back on older humor. So again, this Mm -hmm. movie, very uneven for me in terms of what it was trying to do, I guess. And then the last thing I have. The head of the network, the guy who's yelling all the time, mm-hmm. uh, if he wasn't a direct inspiration for J. Jonah Jameson, uh, at least in the movies, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, it would shock me if that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. I'm spacing on that actor's name right now who plays. It's the, the one for MASH. Yeah. And then so the um, and then who plays him as J. Jonah? I, that's I can't remember that guy's name. He's amazing and everything. Um, oh, um, um, oh, I love him. That makes me so mad. Why can I not remember his name? 
to the to the IMDb Wikipedia's. <laughs> Who's it? Uh, I did think it was very funny that all of the TV execs, except for Kurt Russell, wear the exact same like spectacles frame, the like thick black plastic <laughs> nerd yes. glasses. Not a single one of the actors had lenses in their glasses, though. But every single actor that was like a TV network person, even from other TV networks outside of yeah. the one that we focus on, have the same pair of glasses. That was like a really funny thing to me that I feel like was very incisive satire from a writer's room. Yes. Kind of a thing uh, that it that made me laugh. And then them exploring. It was uh, J.K. Simmons, by the way. Uh, J.K. Simmons, yes, that's yeah, his name. He's a great, great, great actor. He said, call your mother when he won an Oscar. That's right. He did do that. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing with the network execs and yeah, essentially it's it. there was like hints of uh, uh, collusion and things at the end that didn't quite... Uh, you know, some weird stuff there that like they brought in like the federal communications commissioner or something like that, and all of the heads of the the all the different stations, and they were like, we're sharing information that's not available to the public or whatever. And I'll, I will say though, I loved the guy who I think works for another network who was mm-hmm. coming in and was sort of like the devil whispering in people's ears, and all he did was. Call the the head of the local network to say congratulations every time he had a bomb, like <laughs> yeah. a show that didn't do well. He was like, hey, congrats on the new show. And the only other thing he did was go to the head of the whole network and say, Kurt Russell's going to get your job. You get, yeah, you got to be careful. He's going to raise through the ranks and take over for you. And that set off the whole next. Like he's sort of an inciting event for a lot of powerful people in this movie and he has almost no other lines outside of his little like whispering in the ears Schemes. of people. Yeah. I liked him a lot. I thought he was very interesting as a character and very funny and just his little tiny bit part where he's like feeding sort of chaos. He's like a chaos agent. Um, <laughs> we need more characters like him Where he's in just sort of sowing discord and then disappearing again. <laughs> he's like the Loki of this movie and I I loved that. Nice. Well, yeah, well put. That's exactly, for, you know, if you needed a modern reference, Loki is kind of right on, right on, it hits the nail on the head there. So that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. In ter- technical work for this movie for me? Um, I loved the score. The score is the score very is good. just like a groovy bass, yeah, with occasional like drum or like sax stingers. It's mostly just sort of like a, a, a it's not quite spy movie like bass, but it's a funky sort of. There's some intrigue in the bass, but it's mostly just like '70s funky bass that like has a leisurely pace to it. And then sort of around the things that happen in the movie, there's like a little horn or a little like bell or a little drum riff that's just sort of accentuating the point. But the bass is very funky and I was really into it. (laughs) It's true. It's true. It seemed like a pretty natural extension of the theme song for me. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is, and that really kind of sets the tone at least from the 
point of view of the score like that. If you're into that first, you're into the title song, then you're going to be like, all right, let's let's download this on Spotify. Let's get some streams going here. I like what I'm seeing here. Uh, cinematography wise, where uh, the fir- the past couple movies we've seen where we had any kind of movement or or cars or anything like that. Some of them were very clearly like a, a screen, uh, like a projection either behind them or a screen. Yeah, yeah, a lot of like rear projection type stuff. Yeah, this certainly, there were several scenes where we're following Kurt on a motorcycle. That's really Kurt and the c- camera mounted on a car or something. Uh, motorcycle is perhaps a little bit grandiose of a term for <laughs> sure. what Kurt Russell was driving. It's more like a motorbike. Uh, yeah, like a bike, a motorbike. More so than a motorcycle, because he's definitely tootling around on like a powered bicycle and not like he put when he pulls up to the 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 bike cop and he's like, I'm eh? driving a bike eh? like you are at the very <laughs> beginning. And the cop's like, yeah, whatever, man. They're definitely not riding the same kind of machine. Yeah. Don't. It's not a Harley. Don't 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 get it twisted. It's, you know. It's a child's, it's a child's thing. So yeah, it's definitely like the the ride of a twenty year old who's going to night school and working as a mailboy in a TV station. Like, it's a this is a cheap alternative to a car, yeah. kind of bike. Not I, I pay barely. I like motorcycles, for this. kind of a bike. Yeah, yeah. Not a Keanu Reeves kind of bike. No, come on, well, come on, come on. What is? <laughs> The that's I did appreciate that the um, just a little bit more dynamic. Some of these it, I don't know if it's I didn't keep track of the like the cinematographers, or the directors of photography for these. But it seems like they are the technology is either moving forward or they're pressing forward on. Let's get these cameras doing more than we did before. So I it's mm-hmm. just from someone who is like a fan of movie making. I really like that. They had the camera that was following the car that was swerving back and forth on the street. A couple shots of following Kurt. It's like, oh, I like these better than the static shots with a rear projector or whatever. So that's kind of cool. I dig that stuff a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. I do think, I mean, I have said this before and I'll say it again. And I don't know if I've said it on this podcast or if I said it on Cool Briefs, but I am, I am going to go to my grave talking about how important practical effects are yeah in movies and everyone's going to be like Whitney you're dying why are you talking about movies you didn't even work in movies after you gave up like your film school degree but that's how strongly I feel about practical effects and stuff that's like rather than rear projection yeah have Kurt Russell on a bike and like mount a camera to a car and drive alongside of him or whatever that's it I just feel like it adds so much and that what it adds is never diminished in the way that CGI or other special effects are diminished. Absolutely. Yeah, there's it's not um, even if the camera work isn't great, per se, Mm -hmm. it's not it doesn't break the immersion like like a projection, like very clearly would sometimes you're Mm like, oh, yeah, you can see that. (laughs) <laughs> it's just a thing you notice. You're like, oh, the depth of field's all wrong, or why is it so bright yeah. back there? The lighting isn't quite right. All those things. So yeah, I mean, like the a 
person never having seen The Labyrinth before has the exact same movie watching experience today as they did back when The Labyrinth came out. And that's because it's all Jim Henson practical in camera effects. Mm-hmm. Even when like the baby's crawling like on the ceiling stairs, it's doing that like Escher print sort of thing. Yeah. All of it was practical and so all of it looks the same now as it did then. But I looked I just watched uh, rewatched the Kingsman the second Kingsman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And while I still like that movie because it's very camp and very funny. Oh yeah. Um all of those computer images are like all of the special effects that were done in post look old already and that came out not that long ago and they used a lot of fancy money and time (laughs) to make it look the way that it did and it looks dated and so i just can't say enough about things like just put kurt russell on a bike and drive a car next to him that's what you got to do that's really it I, you know, it is what you got to do. I saw not that I was watching it. Re- I was watching something recently, and I'm sure you're in the same camp as well, just based on what you said in the Lord of the Rings movies, the times where Peter Jackson used force perspective to accentuate the sizes of people versus like the Battle of Helm's Deep or whatever. I'm like, damn, this force perspective looks perfect still. And the Battle of Helm's Deep is like it. Not so much, <laughs> you know, yeah. I know yeah. it cost a hundred million dollars for that scene or whatever, but I was like, mm-hmm. just putting the camera a little bit further away and changing the p- position of a chair looks awesome. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yep. yep, yeah, yeah, I can uh, suffice it to say overall, though, I'm very heartened at the way the the filmmaking itself is going here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we'll probably get into some janky special effects uh, in the not too distant future, but this is like a cool special time. Um, mm-hmm. Truly, truly. Agreed. Anything else? I think we talked about Kurt, right? He was when he was on screen. He was great. We did. He was magnetic. He was great. Yeah. Uh, I do think he was less handsome in this than he was in the computer wore tennis shoes. Interesting. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if that's just the like sort of longer hair. Yeah. The kind of like page boy that he has in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Or if it was that I just didn't vibe with his character as much. I don't know what it was. He's still dreamy, but he's way less dreamy than he was in the previous couple movies. So that's, I think, the only thing that I haven't said yet. Everything else, I've already said my thoughts. But Kurt Russell is great. He should be in it more. He was not in it enough, considering he was, like, the main character of this movie. Yeah. And he's a slightly less dreamy in this one, and I don't know why. <laughs> right. For reasons that are just unexplainable, it just mm-hmm. didn't click quite the same. You know, and it's personal taste. I'm sure for somebody it totally clicked in this movie, but for me it was just a little off. I couldn't help but think of, I don't know if you ever watched 30 Rock, but just seeing him with like the page jacket on, I'm like, he's Jack mm-hmm. from 30 no, Rock. I <laughs> thought about that a lot. Okay, good. We're on the same page there. Uh, yeah. That's my go-to for a page now. It doesn't matter what I thought of before or after. If I see a page, I think of mm-hmm. Jack McBrayer. It's That's where we are. Yeah. Okay. I think um, I'm going to be interested to see where we, oh, I guess overall. The one question I had before we mm-hmm. get to the sponsor here, where so it sounds like you're probably more in line with the audience here than the critics. Correct. Yeah. I 
I'd say I'm a little bit warmer than the audience, but I, an 83 feels very high for this film. Way I would say too high. mid to high 60s, maybe for me. Um, and that's okay. only being generous with uh, just, again, like appreciating it as a, as a filmmaking endeavor. I, I, I like that kind of stuff. Again, I, I kind of mm-hmm. share all the same uh, critiques you have. Again, we could remove 10 minutes of this movie that's just ledge. Fall, will they fall off a ledge humor? The ledge scene doesn't even need to be in the movie. Right. It's just. It adds nothing to the plot or to character development or to anything. It's just wacky hijinks on a ledge of a building that you could literally pluck out and change zero of the movie. Other than it's shorter and snappier and is better. Exactly. So there are. They did spend a quite a, a quite a large amount of time. The reason Kurt wasn't in this is either because of a monkey or people plotting against his character. So mm-hmm. I feel like if we spent less time with people plotting, we just saw the outcomes of those plots against him versus like the ideation of the plots that might have uh, boosted this even further for me. But as it stands right now, I thought it was like fine. It, you know, far better mm-hmm. than some things we've already watched, but yeah, uh, but also but just fine. Also, you're getting into the recommendation part. We're not there yet. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do that. Let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> Don't jump ahead. All right. I can't do it. Yeah. All right. Strike that from the record. Strike it. Pretend you haven't heard anything. Let's pay the bills, Whitney. Let's pay the bills. I have talked about Backblaze a lot already. I feel like I've talked about Backblaze a lot. It's actually only been like two or three episodes, but probably, I don't know, 50 to 60 minutes over those past three episodes, right? I don't know. We, it seems like these yeah, ad reads go on a for a long, long time to me. But I will say this. I had, uh, I, won't name, I won't name names, but I had someone let me know that at the very minimum, they didn't sign up for our other sponsor, but they were like, at least the ad reads are very, very fun. So Aww. I'll take it. I'll take the compliment. That's something that both of us have worried about. Because we allow the ad reads to take us on a long tangent. And I, I know that both Andrew and myself have been like, are we going too far with the ad reads being freeform? <laughs> right. Sometimes longer than the deep dive of the film. Who knows? Who knows? So... You know, let us know if they get annoying, but I think we try to keep it light and fun. And uh, Mm -hmm. it does very much help uh, to keep us out of the red, which is I'm not trying. Look, I would love to be a full time podcaster. Whoa. Holy shit. Give me that back that dump truck of money up to my house right now. And Whitney's Uh, as well. Whitney's coming over. Yeah, obviously. If there are dumb trucks of money going around, please do visit me. I have a couple addresses you need to hit along the way. (laughs) So. Let's talk about Backblaze really quickly. This one will be fun, but more informative than anything. Okay. I'm talking about mm-hmm. uh, $6 a month. You could back up your entire computer and everything plugged into it. So it's not just what's on your hard drive. If you're the person uh, that has uh, an eight terabyte or a 10 terabyte hard drive plugged in because you like to save a lot of photos or listen to a lot of music or do whatever, maybe you're a professional, you're a video editor. You make your own podcast, all that stuff. You got to back that stuff up. Maybe you're a musician. Yeah. Music takes a lot of memory. You got to back that up. 
I mean, your first line of defense should be the hard drive that's plugged into your computer. But God forbid something goes wrong. You have an electrical surge or something and it fries all your stuff. Uh, if you have Backblaze and you've backed it up off site, you're good. You're down for as long as it takes you to just download your stuff again. And that is like a very uh, comforting feeling for me specifically, because I have some like mission critical stuff that if it were to go away, I'd be very sad and maybe I would have to go to court or something like that. So, you know, I got to uh, I got to have that that backup stuff in place. Backblaze sits in your taskbar on Windows or your menu bar on Mac. It just backs up. In the background, you don't actually have to do anything. It's just up there or down there. It's like, hey, I'm running. You're backed up. Everything's good to go. $6 a month. That's all it takes. I have 42 terabytes of data backed up. People seem to not want to believe that. So I just have the receipts. I just have a screenshot. It's sitting in my downloads folder right now. I'm like, boom, there it is. Boom, there it is. Proof, 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 proof. If if you need the receipts, email us. We'll send them to you. (laughs) I have them. I got them. And when I say we, I mean Andrew, because I still have not signed up for Backblaze and still am not backing up my tisk, data. Tisk, like tisk, I should tisk, be. Tisk, tisk, I know. Tisk. I know. I have pandemic brain and also I have ADHD. So, like, it's hard. It's okay. I understand. Look. But I should. And I know that I should. And you should too. All I'll say. You go to 12and24.com slash Backblaze. That'll take you to our page where you could sign up. It'll give you 15 days for free. You could just download it and test it out. In that 15 days, let's say you had a super speedy internet connection. And in 15 days, you were also able to back up 42 terabytes of data. Backblaze would actually let you do that during the trial period, just to show you that they're not messing around. Uh, Because I had to ask about that. I was like, is there a limit, an upper limit to the backup size during the trial? They're like, no, because most people at the end of the trial want to become customers. So why would we make mm-hmm. it harder for them? And I was like, that's a very smart, <laughs> that's very smart. It's smarter than me. So mm-hmm. 12and24.com slash Backblaze, 15 days free. And then after that, if you want to have peace of mind, you could pay $6 per month. We're talking, what, three coffees? Or maybe one coffee if you're a fancy coffee drinker, but like three from... Which I am. Right. So I just make coffee at home if I'm not going to drink a fancy coffee. Right. If you're doing all sorts of espressos and foams and lattes, it's only one coffee a month. But if, you know, maybe it might be four or five cups of Folgers. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what your life is. No judgments. I love all coffee. Do that. 12and24.com slash backblaze. Get peace of mind. Get backed up. I think boom. I think Nailed that it. might be the best ad read mm. they've ever had. I feel like yes. maybe. I'm sure. <laughs> they have never had a better ad read. It's not like they gave maybe us Maybe you script. will go down in history as Andrew the Great because of that <laughs> ad read. Because of of the he was known for the just the quality of his ad reads. That's the that was what was great about about him. So <laughs> there you go. His anecdotes were second to none. Whitney, I think that Wikipedia has a very good plot synopsis for the Barefoot Executive. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little too much information, but I'm okay with I'm okay with just going down this list. And if anything sticks out to either of us, we can call it out. But this yeah. this this will do uh, this will do just fine for us. 
So I'll Let's I'll go. I'll go ahead. Here we go. Crack my knuckles, loosen up here, do some lunges. <laughs> Let's do this thing. A satire of network television, the movie follows the adventures of an ambitious mailroom clerk, Stephen Post, played by Kurt Russell, at the fictional struggling UBC network. Post discovers that a chimpanzee named Raffles, that's the real life name of the chimpanzee as well, has left in the care of his girlfriend Jennifer, played by Heather North, uh, by neighbors who had to move to San Francisco. This chimp has the uncanny ability to choose which television programs will succeed or fail with audiences. And I'm telling you, this chimp knows in seconds. I, so <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it is uncanny Instantly. in that respect. It is uncanny, yes. <laughs> While watching a program, Raffles blows a raspberry at shows he hates and claps his hands at shows he likes. It makes it very easy, very easy to know how he mm-hmm. feels. It's a simple simple system. <laughs> it's a AB. A, That's all we get. Mm-hmm. He he does not have ambivalence about television shows. It's all black mm-hmm. and white with raffles. Mm-hmm. 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 Post smuggles the chimp into the UBC building when various programs are being previewed for executives and watches as the chimp gives his vote from the projection room. The first program that receives raffles approval is a movie named Devil Dan. Post tells the programming executive that Devil Dan will draw large audiences. The executives disagree and choose not to program the movie. Yeah, no, they're like, we already know Devil Dan is garbage. And I'm like, why are you bringing this up in the first place then? If every <laughs> single exec knows that Devil Dan is garbage, get rid of it. You shouldn't even Why have... are we still debating? Yeah, why did we even waste any time? They, it sounds like they did the mark, the network and market research. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Regardless, the uh, the executives do disagree. They don't they don't program the movie, but to prove that he is correct, Post sneaks into UBC's broadcast center, switches the reels. You see, films mm-hmm. were on reels at this time, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was very easy to just do the old switcheroo. It reminded me. Do you remember in Hackers when they're both like in the system fighting over which VHSs are inserted into the thing for what, like what the public access television show is showing? Yes. And they're like fighting back and forth over like tapes going in and out and what's showing on air. It reminded me of that when he switched the reels. Hackers. What a. Oh, you know, it's been a minute, but God, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's that movie one. holds up. Have you seen one. it recently? It does not hold up, but Shit. it's. It is almost more charming for not holding up. Yeah, because of the by it its very nature. It's not necessarily problematic. Okay. And it's not holding up. So like <laughs> It's just like that's not how technology works. Yeah, watch it. If you haven't seen it recently, watch it. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. Fun. Fun. Matthew Lillard is a tour de force. The executives are outraged when Devil Dan airs, right? But post is proved right. The movie propels UBC to the first place. When, when the morning like number ratings come in. He's right. It's like, oh, my God, everyone like, loved it. Was it was genius. I will say that was actually pretty funny. His boss, the guy who was who, the guy whose job he eventually takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was another thing where he's like walking into the office and they're like, wow, great job, sir. Really stroke of genius. And all the guy does mm-hmm. is say, thank you. <laughs> Not really yeah. knowing what. To... So clearly clueless as to what's going on or why yeah. people are saying it. He just accepts the praise and is like, why is everyone saying this to me? But I sure I deserve it. 
Yeah, it's like quite it quite right, good. quite right. <laughs> mm-hmm. The movie sends them to first place, as we said. Uh, Post successfully masks the chimp's abilities as his own and rises to vice president of the network, taking over the job of the guy uh, we just discussed, who was mm-hmm. receiving all this praise. Mm-hmm. However, this also creates suspicion and resentment among some of their executives, mainly because they believe Post is too young to merit the title of vice president. That's another. I just want to interrupt. Real oh, yeah. quick. That's another subtext that this movie could have gone with. That is interesting mm-hmm. because there's multiple monologues about why can't a young person have interesting ideas that are viable and the whole you know, how old was Alexander the Great when he conquered things? And yeah. who, how old was Benjamin Franklin when he <laughs> did this thing he didn't actually do? And, like, it's a huge theme in this movie of just because he's young doesn't mean he doesn't have something to say. That 100% could have driven a very interesting movie and still was not, like, the major plot point of this. It is. It's interesting. I think the most interesting part of, of what you said there is that, like, uh, the people that were clearly involved in the decision-making process of where the movie goes are very much the people they're lampooning. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they don't mm-hmm. want to explore that young people have good ideas. They're like, no, mm. that means I won't have a job anymore. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you hate to see it. You hate to mm-hmm. see it. <laughs> uh, Steven, they're get, they're, they're, it looked like they was receiving an Emmy, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. That, Something. Uh, it was like TV personality of the universe or whatever. Yeah. He, uh, when he receives this award, he is um, he is mistakenly identified as the uh, the president of UBC, and this sets mm-hmm. off a J. Jonah Jameson esque character who's like, "Oh no, sir! This this young rapscallion isn't taking my job." So, fearing that Post's seemingly miraculous abilities will make their own jobs obsolete, unnecessary. The uh, network executives attempt to discover his secret. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I love how they describe him as a toady. (laughs) Mm -hmm. One toady. Okay. T-O-A-D-Y. This is played by John Ritter. Sees a bunch of bananas in Post's apartment, which leads to a humorous scene where the executives are seen eating bananas as they believe that the idea of a New Guinea tribe considered bananas to be a brain food. Let me go ahead and say, uh, there's a whole paragraph on this banana thing, <laughs> and it was not that big a plot point in the movie. No, Truly. it was a very minor, fleeting plot point. I don't know why. It wasn't even a. I wouldn't even say it's a plot point. No, should we? No, I'm not going to take on extra work and help these Wikipedia fools out. Nope. Nope. Not going to do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's a that is a that is a dark hole that you do not want to go down. Sisyphean? Sisyphean? I don't know what uh, Mm -hmm. how you would turn Sisyphus into a. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. That's what that is. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Using a spyglass to peer through his apartment window at night. This toady, played by John Ritter again, discovers the chimpanzee watching television with posts. Upon spying the chimp going to the refrigerator for a beer during the commercial break, all of the executives realize the chimpanzee is truly the one. This is the brains behind the He's operation. He's pulling the strings, right. If he can drink a beer, <laughs> right. he must be the Clearly. The key. <laughs> He's the kingpin behind this whole situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Fearing the realization that America's favorite TV programs were being picked by a primate would spell the end of television, the executives decide to steal the chimp and return it to the jungle. Whitney, uh, mm-hmm. I believe this movie takes place in California. If I if I just had mm-hmm. to take a guess, just based on the yes, weather. Yes, ostensibly, I also believe that, but I don't. They don't place it in any kind of location. <sighs> Where's the nearest jungle that a that a primate might live? South America, maybe. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, I guess we'll get there in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Will Banks. Definitely South America is the closest jungle. Sure. I'm going to skip this next part because it's infuriating that the banana part had like five sentences and there and this this piece that we were talking about with the ledge just has one when realistically there these places should be swapped. It's like a it's a massively larger part of the movie just from like screen time. Yeah. The banana gets 15 seconds maybe of screen right. time for the joke <laughs> and this ledge gets like 30 fucking minutes. Son of a bitch. It made me so mad. I messaged Andrew while I was watching it and I was like this ledge scene is interminable. It's <laughs> like well put. Well put. It's a 50 cent word too. Here's what happens. The, the executives just try to steal the monkey. I could sum this up in a sec. They try to steal the monkey. They go out on a ledge to break into the apartment. It does not go well for them. One of them falls off, they not to his death. They end up getting locked out of the apartment and stuck on the ledge, and one of them falls. Yeah, but he's okay. He lands on, I don't know if that, you know, I don't know what that device is called that firefighters use to catch jumpers. Or even if they do that, really. maybe I'm sure it was attempted, but uh, yeah. Bad and takes up too much time. As a last ditch effort, the network offers Post $1 million in exchange for the chimp, which he accepts. Jennifer becomes disenchanted with him when she finds out he sold her pet. Is this the first time we've mentioned Jennifer? She's been a major character in the movie. Yeah. So it's weird that Wikipedia is only just mentioning her now. Yeah. She's the love interest of Kurt Russell. Hashtag justice. For Jennifer. Come on. Yes. We got to get her in the first. She's the moral center of this whole f- gosh dang movie. That's <sighs> un- it's unfortunate. I don't like it. It is not accurately portrayed in Wikipedia. Let me let me help history. here. Jennifer, this loving, supportive girlfriend mm-hmm. who really. Slash just, fiance. Slash fiance who loves Kurt Russell's character, Stephen, just the way he is. OK. Mm-hmm. Becomes disenchanted. Mm-hmm. With him when he finds out he sold her pet for money without her consent and breaks off their relationship. Rightfully so. Yeah. Come on. What the fuck? She also Mm -hmm. does not believe the chimpanzee should be released into the wild. And I don't know the logistics of that. If you're if you if you're a chimp that was raised in captivity, I I also don't know. No, if you're like if you're like a pants wearing chimp who drinks beer and likes TV. Yeah, you probably probably are not going to be able to fend for yourself in the jungle. Correct. It's not not a good time. The 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 -mm. part of the brain for survival has not developed fully there, I think. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, executives from every studio and camera crews crowd a cargo plane. Okay. Here's what happens. He accepts. They're like, I'm going to sell this monkey. Uh, We have these camera crews. Everyone from the studio shows up to this cargo plane. They're like, we're going to load the monkey into the cargo plane and he's going to we're going to parachute drop him into the jungle and it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. So as they prepare, 
They're oh, it says right here they're going to the Amazon. It all checks mm-hmm. out now. That's mm-hmm. a very mm-hmm. long plane ride, by the way, mm-hmm. from any part of California. Uh, hmm. For a plane that did not appear to have landed either, they did a round trip. It was just drop off, go back. So, all right. Before arriving at the intended, wow, disembarkation point. That's an. Uh, mm-hmm. hmm. I like that word. I've never, I, I mean, maybe I, I've disembarked. Sure. Disembarkation point. The stubborn chimpanzee, not wanting to be sent into the wild, rightfully so. He took one look. He's like, nope, mm-hmm. nope. He pulls a lever, opening an emergency hatch, which sucks all the executives out of the plane, causing them to mm-hmm. parachute into the jungle instead. Mm-hmm. Whitney, if mm-hmm. you were to parachute into the middle of the Amazon, mm-hmm. <sighs> What what are you thinking? What do you think? How what what's the over under on you getting to civilization? I would die within minutes, I assume. <laughs> I would probably end up touching a very colorful frog and then like, whoops, that was clearly a mistake. I'm dying now. Okay, I would not die from touching a colorful frog because I know enough to know in the Amazon don't touch colorful frogs. I mean but I definitely but, would not last very long. But look how blue the frog is, is what I'm saying. Look how uh-huh. blue he is. That's nature saying danger. <laughs> I thought red was danger. Blue is All a color. bright colors are danger. <laughs> Unless it's green, okay. stay away from it in the Amazon. Okay. All right. I got to let me make some notes here. Hold on. I got my little mm-hmm. book. My little book. I think that's good for, I mean, I don't know if there's green spiders that are deadly in the Amazon, but I think that pretty much works across the board. If it's green, go for it. Otherwise, steer clear. Yeah, that checks. I mean, if you blend in with the environment, you may not be a predator necessarily. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, Mm -hmm. that that all checks out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not looking good. We don't really know the fate of these network executives, it, but the, it's not looking great. Well, the, the the guy driving the plane, piloting the plane, says, I think this might be undiscovered like Amazon. He specifically says, I don't know if anyone's even charted this area <laughs> so, before they all parachute into it. Yeah. So. so maybe we'll get a sequel at some point. I don't understand. Albert Mertens, who is now more sympathetic to Jennifer's feelings. Who's Albert Mertens? Mertens is the, the driver? limo driver. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who is now more sympathetic to Jennifer's feelings, reveals to Stephen that the chimp outsmarted the executives and is now en route back to the United States. Post uses this opportunity to refund $1 million for the chimp. Post comments that UBC is going to need the money now in order to fund a search party. Rescue efforts. For the executives. <laughs> yes. Yes, they will. Jennifer and Stephen have not only rekindled their relationship, but are now married and set off on their honeymoon with the chimpanzee in tow as their pet. The final scene shows the posts on an expressway, which pans out in a wide scene, while a radio announcement says the post, uh, that Post has just married and resigned his vice presidency of UBC, but many people are wishing him well in his future endeavors. Mm-hmm. The end. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very curious here, Whitney. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we've had some movies that uh, were just not really well put together or not really well thought through or 
quality wise didn't work out. Mm -hmm. This movie is like in HD, you know, you could find it places. So it's it's closer Mm -hmm. to the computer wore tennis shoes in a lot of respects than some Mm -hmm. of the previous movies. So. Everything we've talked about, uh, Mm -hmm. are you recommending this movie? I do not recommend this movie. Mm, Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Andrew, do you recommend this movie? If we had a little bit more space between the computer wore tennis shoes and this, I might. Uh, just for some of the just for some of the comedic bits. But as it stands as it is currently, I do not recommend this movie mm-hmm. either. I think that we have just experienced something so similar, but that played so much better that my answer is still go watch the computer wore tennis shoes. Yeah. Not watch the barefoot executive. So much um so much in common uh, between the two. Yes. So a lot in common, but the computer war tennis shoes is a much better film that is more completely tied together. I feel like this movie is one of those that, again, goes a bunch of different places and doesn't really resolve any of them. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Uh, although I will I will also say, again, 90 minutes, basically. So it's not mm-hmm. um, it's not like a huge time investment either. So. Yeah, other than the ledge scene, it goes by pretty quick. (laughs) Right. If you get to that ledge scene, you could fast forward 10 literal minutes and save yourself Mm -hmm. even more time. So do that. Mm -hmm. Do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Now we get to the rankings. So no no recommendations. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we have six films currently. This will be our seventh. Mm -hmm. So where are you thinking... On our identical lists, where are you thinking you're going to put (laughs) the Barefoot Executive? Yeah, I think I'm going to put it under Follow Me Boys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be number three on my list. It's going to bump Mosby's Marauders, Guns of Diablo, Guns in the Heather, and the one and only genuine original family band down. But I do think Follow Me Boys is something that I would rather watch again before I rewatch this. Okay. All right, that has been noted. And let me just do the old select all copy paste because my list is the same. <laughs> funny. I so funny. Can't uh, I, I I don't know what it is about these first few films really, but uh mm-hmm. again, we keep coming up with the same exact uh list here. And yeah, we've that's tried it. So funny to me. It's not uh, listeners how the sausage is made. Here it goes. Whitney and I don't really discuss beyond like a few quips here and there. We don't super discuss the films before like right now. I will text him occasionally something like the uh, this ledge scene is interminable. Yeah. But for the or when I when John Ritter first came on screen, I messaged him. Ooh, little baby John Ritter. Which is great. We'll quip, you know, quip or whatever. Yeah, but we do, we like to keep it fresh for everybody and, and don't specifically talk about our ratings or do you recommend this, yes or no, until we're on the podcast. Like This was, for me, uh, specifically as it relates to Follow Me Boys, which I feel is a movie that also went off on some in some weird places don't get me wrong oh for sure a hundred percent it went went off in weird places yeah i just feel like i had a better time in those weird places overall even if they didn't make a lot of sense like stumbling Mm -hmm. into war games and and 
the guys the on amphetamines or whatever. Yeah. Room scene. Like all of it is so weird and so many places. But I enjoyed watching it more than I enjoyed watching this. Yeah. And I think if maybe you had shown me both of these like independently of anything else, I maybe would rate the barefoot executive higher. But coming <laughs> right after the computer war tennis shoes, it is an almost identical but far better version. So it just like does not hold up in comparison. Right. We got spoiled. We should have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if Disney had flipped the release schedule, we might be talking about a very different kind of rating here. Yes. I th Still, keeping in mind the Computer War Tennis Shoes is a better movie. Just might have been a little bit softer on this one. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Well, it's just a... What a wild... <laughs> What a wild situation we keep finding ourselves in here. <laughs> it's been a really, really interesting evolution. This is not at all how I expected the Kurt Russell podcast to go. When we were like, who are we doing after Keanu Reeves? And we were all like, Kurt Russell, that sounds amazing. This is not where I thought we would be for the first seven episodes. <laughs> right. In complete and total agreement. Mm-hmm. The uh, look, so, you know, again, to to live up to the great as my uh, title, I will have we will have to be coming up with some more <laughs> podcasts and stuff. So uh, and I'm not, you know, you, we got to keep in mind who will who will do next as well. So I don't know if you watch mm -hmm. movies now like I do where I'm like, that would be a good one. That would be a good one. So I, I don't definitely. Know. And also, every time we talk about this podcast to anybody they immediately offer suggestions for other people to do. Yeah. One of the ones that comes up most often is Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Everyone's like, do Tilda next. I got it. You know what? I mean, that one has burrowed into my brain in, in a big way. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you why. Maybe we have the same exact reason for this, because one of our mm -hmm. listeners has given us the perfect name for that podcast. And I don't remember if you saw this in the discord. Shout out to Catherine. She mm -hmm. suggested that we name the podcast Tilda End of Time. And Catherine, I guess she knows how much I love a good pun because that mm -hmm. shit, I cannot stop thinking about that. Anytime I see Tilda Swinton, I'm That's like... That's like Andrew's heroine. It really, really is. <laughs> so I, I, I'm literally, I, I will never disassociate. It is now Catherine and Tilda Swinton and that name, those three things for the rest of my life, mm -hmm. I will never forget mm -hmm. them. It was like a perfect till the end of time. Yeah, it's a perfect pun for me. So, yeah, uh, you know, I had also, I had also considered maybe Stanley Tucci. So maybe think about that one, Whitney. Oh, the Tucci. It's a little timely too. He's kind of having his 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 moment here. So oh, I don't know. I love Stanley Tucci so much. Yeah, just watch this guy do whatever. I saw him in the Hunger Games. I forgot how many really kind of wildly talented actors are in those films, really. Especially There's the later ones. There's a lot of people in those movies. Yeah. It's nuts. For sure. It's fucking nuts, man. Mm -hmm. <sighs> All right. All things, all things for a later date. But also, what is the name of that movie? You're not going to know it, so don't answer that. Okay. I'm looking it up right now. Um, <laughs> there's a movie that everybody should see but has not seen. Uh-huh. And I haven't even seen it until my uh, boyfriend introduced it to me. It's one of his earlier ones, and I'm IMDb'ing it right now. We gotta, yep. I can't find we gotta it. get to the bottom of this one. 
The Imposters. The Imposters. Okay, correct. In 1998. It's Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci. Uh-huh. And it is incredible, and no one's ever seen it, including myself. And so maybe we need to do the Stanley Tucci podcast just for getting more people exposed to the Imposters. I'm game, you know? I'm game. The Tooch. It helps me see movies that I wouldn't otherwise see. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's the one thing we've all we have clearly uh, established here. That's why we wanted to keep going with it and do other actors. Is I see movies I would not otherwise have seen. Right. And it is so fun to be exposed to all of these different genres over a span of a person's career. It's it's a fun way to watch movies. Yeah. You have your comfort zone for sure. Uh, I know that I do. I know what I I know what gets my money at the box office when I'm able to mm-hmm. go back to it. And that's great. And that's perfect. However, it is good to check out other things and expose yourself to that. And it's, um, you know, it's pretty eye opening what you might end mm-hmm. up liking after all. So, yeah, pretty yep. great. It I'm is. sure that's 100 percent true of both the Tooch and Tilda. So, oh, for sure. You know, you're going to see something that you've never seen before and it's going to change. You know, it's going to blow your mind. So the tooch. We'll see. We'll see. Now I got to start scheming. The tooch is a great <laughs> name for a podcast, by the way. Just uh-huh. it's, it's very memorable. It's short. It works. I'm sure the domain's available. The tooch. <laughs> Next week, Whitney. We'll be walking us through our next film, which I believe neither of us have seen, called (laughs) Fool's Parade. Correct. I want to just note the uh, location of the apostrophe in Fool's suggests that someone's name is indeed Fool's. Mm -hmm. It is a parade that belongs to someone. Yes, I believe it is the parade of the person named Fool's. Okay. So, uh, hey, maybe... I don't know. I don't know what to expect from this. I, we, again, we don't do too much research until it's time to watch the movie. So we'll see. We'll see what we're in for. We will. And you should join us. As always, cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, one final thing I'll note. Uh, I Claire had tuned us into this. Disney Plus has a built-in watch together feature. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll do that for some of the upcoming Dexter Riley uh, movies, which I know yeah, for yeah, a yeah. fact are on Disney Plus. So the strongest mm-hmm. man uh, in the world, and um, now you see him. Now you don't. yeah, that one as well. So there, I know that they are both on there. So maybe we could plan something with the listeners and do a little watch along. I'm not sure how it works, but I will do some That'd investigating, and we can yeah. figure it out. We'll do it on like a weekend yeah. or something. So there it is. There it is. We've made it to the end yet again. Mm -hmm. Again. (laughs) Whitney, where can people find and keep up with you across the vast, vast Internet? Mm -hmm. Uh, On Twitter, I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N. And then on Instagram, I'm the same, but without the underscore, just Whitney Nelson. Um, I don't post much on Twitter and all I post on Instagram are pet pics and food pics. So if that interests you, give me a follow. Otherwise, stay tuned here because this is where you get the most me on the Internet these days. The Kurt Locker has Whitney's exclusive podcasting contract currently. So it's true. 
honored, honored I'm and privileged. I'm not allowed to go to other studios. <laughs> it's locked. Locked. <laughs> Andrew, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dark Driving. Uh, I post occasionally some photos on Instagram and some stories and whatnot. And then uh, Twitter is just a bunch of me like old man yelling at Cloudsing for, for various things. <laughs> so, you know, that's I, true. I make fun of thing. You know, it's it's more of like a notepad for my thoughts. And then I just put it out there and then I don't have to think about it anymore because it's it's just been put mm-hmm. out there. So that's kind of how I treat mm-hmm. that. But yeah, it might, it might make you laugh. I don't know. Uh, so do that at Dark Driving on both of those places. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank our sponsor, Backblaze, for making this uh, episode happen. And Whitney, thank you again for joining me. This is always, it's thank a highlight you, of the week. Andrew. It's a delight. There we go. Always. Hells yeah. I'm going to press this button <laughs> for our kick ass theme song. <laughs> In the immortal words of Jack Burton, sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. You let it run longer, and I heard the the vocals for the first time ever. Yeah, it's it's not it's not that, much, but it's oh, oh, all he does like is basically it. repeat that. It's cool. It's like a two and a half minutes. Or was it three three yeah. minutes? It's a three minute song. That's so. just that's just the first time you've ever let it run that long. I hadn't heard that part yet. I'll send you the song. You can have it too. Put it on for. You went for a run the other day. I heard. I saw you went for a run, so you could put on the Kurt Locker theme song, <laughs> and it all it pumps you up. I you did know? go for the run for a run in the first time in like two years. It was bad. <laughs> it, was, it was not fun. I like to run. I, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I don't like to run. I don't trust people who do like to run. No, it's just the most effective thing. That you literally can't cheat at. Like, if you stop running, you're mm-hmm. walking. Yeah. You know if you're running or not. You can't, like, pretend you're running when you know you're not running. Yeah. 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 <laughs>